When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Timothy Michael McKernan. It's time for questions slash opinions from the audience. It just doesn't roll off the tongue as well as QFTA. Uh, Alongside Gangster Pete in St. Louis, I'm Tim McKernan in Jupiter, Florida. And it is time to field your questions, your opinions, and talk it over with you, the audience. You are always welcome to send in your questions slash opinions Anything and everything is welcome. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Now, something that has happened over the last week or so, which Gangster Pete made light of on the TMA fan page, um, is, I don't want to say for whatever reason, but I I received, I don't want to portray it as like dozens of emails, but I received a few emails complaining about really the Plowhawk more (laughs) than Iggy, but both of them, but... But and 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 what my contention on this is, um, both of those guys are available on social media. Uh, I don't know if their email addresses are out there, but if you have a problem with what they are doing as their jobs, I'm not their manager. And um, you know, sending an email to me complaining about the Plowboy, for example, would be the equivalent um, at this moment of sending an email complaining about me to Doug. I'm I'm a coworker. I'm the, I'm the, on the same level as they are on the totem pole. So uh that was that was my premise when I discussed this on the radio show. Um and uh and and so that was something that led to a to a discussion. Gangster Pete, you uh you seem to find that amusing based on your post on uh, I don't even know what thread it was, but I recall you posting something about how you're gonna Hey Timmy, hey Timmy. I don't like what the Plowhawks <laughs> doing, Timmy. I, I I understand people being passionate I, I, but so the like being passionate about the show, good or bad, comes with the territory. I have zero complaints about it. Um, that's that that comes with the territory of doing what we do. What so this is a I don't like to, I feel like nuance is being overused right now. So I guess what I'm going to try to say, as opposed to say nuanced, is to say I want to differentiate. Emailing opinions about the show, totally cool, but emailing in which I sense one wants me to do something about it. <laughs> That is where that's that's the difference, and I hope I'm explaining this clearly. And maybe I'm reading it wrong. It's not like somebody said you need to fire him or you need to penalize him or anything like that. But that's 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 that was the that's what I felt like was the insinuation from some of these, not all of these. But that is that's that's why I'm pointing this out. So opinions are welcome, but I want to clarify: I do not operate the radio station. Um, I, you know, it's been three plus years since I've had anything to do with management of the radio station. And, um, and I don't, I, I, I guess I understand like, why, why would people like not like not everybody knows that. I think most people at this point know it, but not everybody knows it. And so I guess they send these things thinking that I do. 
Um, and but it, but it's like I said, if it's the equivalent of sending something to Doug or the cat, we're we're all three hosts on the show. I did operate the time that we brokered for 24 hours a day, five days a week on CBS Sports 920 from August of 2013 to August of 2016. I did and was responsible for that. Um, but I do not operate in KFNS. And I've not been in a management position at KFNS for more than three years. So um, I just want to set the record straight on that. But, but, but again, I welcome opinions, opinions that are critical too. I really do mean that. When I say that, I really do mean it. I, I like it. Uh, or dissenting opinions on a topic that has nothing to do with the radio show. That's cool. If somebody's going to rip somebody on the show uh, or somebody in management or station ownership, that, that, that can put, put it put in an awkward spot. If you want to ask opinions, then ask my opinion on something. Sometimes I'm in a position where I can absolutely do it. Sometimes it might be weird for me to like say, well, what's going on with this show at the station? And like trying to get me to take a shit on it. That's not, I'm not going to do that. And I would imagine, you know, if you put yourself in, put yourself in my position, you wouldn't rip a, a co-worker or something like that in a public forum, uh, you know, like a show or a podcast. So I hope, I hope I'm kind of setting, not what I want to call the ground rules, but maybe explaining where I'm coming from on this. Gangster Pete, uh, any thoughts? Yeah, the show would suck if everyone was exactly the same. So you've got six different personalities and that's what makes it great. So Gangster if someone Pete. is, you do so, writing you do so well, you do it so concisely. I'm jealous of your, your brevity. I'm jealous of your brevity. Uh, you know, I don't like to mince words. Right. Uh, but you're, you, you are right. So, I, I mean, it, it, you know, and I, and I don't, I don't know why, like I get why I, why, why some people in the audience don't like me. I get that. I get it. I might not necessarily agree with some parts of it. I also think some of it is kind of misinformation, but I can't control it. Also, unlike the Plowhawk, um, I've been doing this, you know, for two decades. Plowhawk's a few years into it. Uh, Pete, you're a couple of years into it, but uh, not necessarily, you know, as on air, nearly as on air as, as the other five people on the show. Um, and then, you know, whether it be politics, certainly some people don't like what one may express on politics. Um but uh, I have, I, at least I feel like I've noticed this more recently, and this is something I can ask you, Gangster Pete, and you can have an, an, an opinion from the same position I am coming from because it's, it's, we're talking about like a month or 45 days worth of a sample size, that I feel like there's a little more bantiness lately than, let's, let's just use your, your time period so we're talking on the same page, than in the, whatever, year and a half plus that you've been on the show. Uh, are you talking about the text inbox? Uh, text inbox, feedback, email, uh, fan page. I mean, I, I think it kind of comes and goes. I don't. I, I, it's banty right now, but then it'll calm down and really banty again. I mean, I yeah, feel and I just, like, I, I feel I, like I, when it waves. happens, I always try to figure out what the cause is. You know? And yeah, I, I mean, I I'd probably shitty weather. You think that's as, it's the as simple as that? Yeah, the weather's about to get better around here. People might get in better moods, like get out and exercise. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I've, I've just noticed it, and so I'm kind of. I swear it factored in. Now I happened to interview Dylan Carlson this week. If you haven't listened, go ahead and listen. This guy is uh, impressing the hell out of people at Cardinal Spring Training so far. But I have this Harrison Bader interview, and I have a feeling, and I might be wrong. It might just, you know, do nothing. But I could see it, it like irritating people, and so 
like ah, while the audience is in particular some of the audiences to portray the entire audience would be so unfair while a portion of the audience is particularly particularly banty right now i feel like the bader thing will only add to it and i'm trying to I'm like okay we'll put carlson in there especially since carlson is the story of spring training at the moment so with that all said um we always welcome feedback and i i really do but un- but understand there's a difference between feedback and like wanting me to rip a coworker because we're all coworkers here i am not the owner of the station or the manager of the station or anything along those lines and as pete said it would be boring if we were all Six the same. Yeah, feedback is oh, great, oh, but acting I, I, like you're like tattletelling to the principal is not cool. <laughs> that's what that's what your post was about. Yeah. Okay, let me ask you this one. How about this? I've never thought about this, and it just popped into my head. And this is not from the audience. This is from me. While we agree that all six personalities are different, what two personalities of the six are the most the same? And I'm I'm exploring this at the same time. Interesting. I, yeah. I, I mean, I really, because there's like however many combinations, I'm sure somebody could do the math really quickly, but there's obviously uh, a, a variety of uh, combinations. What would it be, 12 <laughs> times 6? Would that be the common number of combinations? Am I right? Because uh, we're talking about two a pairing times... You're getting into some deep math. 6 times 6, I think. Well, whatever. The point is there's a lot of options. I don't know. I mean, I off really the top don't of my know. I mean, head, I guess I, 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 I guess my, what's that? Off the top of my head, I'd say Doug and Cat. Th- that was in play for me. I think, I guess that's probably in play, but then, I mean, like, th- then I can go, then I can immediately, like any, any two that we would put forth, you could immediately poke holes in. Like, because right. I was going to go Iggy and Plowhawk, but you could immediately poke holes in that. I don't know. I really don't know. But I think, but I think, I think but I also great. think that's great. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I'll pose. I'll pose it. How about this? I have a question for the audience, not from the audience. I have a question for the yeah, audience. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'd like to see yeah, what people I, think. I have, I have, I have no idea. All right, we have a bunch of them in here, and uh, and and as always, I'm like, yeah, I want to get to them all, and then I then I don't get to them all. But before I get to any of them, uh, our studio sponsor Ryan Kelly is the home loan expert. He's online at thehomeloanexpert.com. And what is going on with interest rates? And I actually think, Pete, since we wrapped up the Ryan Kelly morning after at 10 o'clock, and now it's 1024, in between then and now, the Fed has announced they're cutting interest rates even more. That, that is true. How about that? I mean, things are happening quickly. And when Ryan sent over his, uh, in April with Ryan's office, uh, April Winters sent over uh, the copy for this week, they were talking about how interest rates are already at an all-time low. Well, guess what? Since they sent that email over, of course, they're even lower. And it's now at a point where I'm kind of like, because, you know, sometimes you get investment advice and like, well, you ought to do this, you ought to do this. I think it's at a point now where it's it's irresponsible at the very least to not check into seeing what you can do. If you can, as Ryan is saying, get a 30-year fixed mortgage in the twos, like the chances of anybody having that before a couple of weeks ago are nil. So you might as well at least look into it. Do so at thehomeloanexpert.com. You're truly costing yourself money. Me not doing it is costing myself money. Thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, our studio sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. For all of our interviews and, of course, questions slash opinions from the audience. Also, Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies online at evergreenstl.com. It's tax time. You probably have a tax person, but you want to make sure you're organized. And that's where Mark comes into play. And I'm telling you this. With the volatility of the market over the last week or two, 
it is so refreshing to know you have somebody to lean on and ask questions because this isn't just a let it. Well, I mean, so, for some people it is, and it depends on your personal approach, and of course that depends on your age and uh, in what your goals are. But the market volatility in the United States and globally is impacting everyone. So to give you peace of mind and perhaps strategic advice, you want to have somebody. Now, what I would tell you is you want to have somebody anyway, but especially now. And Mark Hanna is the person that I recommend to our audience. He's online at evergreenstl.com. His name is Mark Hanna. He is with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. I speak highly of him because I think highly of him. 314-889-0503. 314-889-0503. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna with Evergreen Wealth Strategies. All right, I'm going to start on the fan page just because I have it up. Um, why are PGA Tour pros allowed to wear metal spikes? That's not necessarily one that's going to really get a discussion going. Pete, do you have a thought? Uh, there's pros. There's less of them. They don't want it, the regular golfers to wear out the course. I didn't even know that they still did, honestly. I, didn't I saw this pop up. I just remember the clickety-clack back in the day. I like that. Yeah, but I mean, like now, I feel like it's not even not even uh, in play. Um, did you watch any of the Honda Classic? I did. I watched... Uh, uh, I watched what do you think happened on Tommy Fleetwood's shot on 18? Man, it kind of seemed like his caddy was telling him not to overcook it, and then he did. It I thought was, he. I thought he should have played for the birdie, you know, get into a playoff, and it looked like he like went for it. I don't know if it was. Uh, did you did you see slash hear the no laying up podcast Twitter feed where they had somebody send in something where the guy yells, "It's in the hole." In uh, yeah, I heard swing. someone yelled in his backswing. Yeah, but they've now fixed the audio because Fleetwood and his caddy uh, said they didn't hear anything, and and it's one of those things. So we were following. A friend of the show who I believe I will uh, do an interview with here over the next couple of weeks. He's up in Orlando this week for the uh, Arnold Palmer Bay Hill Invitational and then next week in Jacksonville for the players. But I think after that I'll interview him out along. And I followed him on Friday. And he really made a move. He got to one under. Yep. And he was playing with Siwoo Kim and Ryan Armour. Uh, Siwoo Kim, a player's champion. And, um, and in the back of Siwoo's swing on number three, which is a whole – I think it was the, the the best hole in the course for the players as far as their score versus par. Um, like somebody closed the door of a porta potty, so that this one was absolutely inadvertent, totally accidental. I and saw that happen at the PGA, and it was like, oh really? It was one of the golfers' like wives that was the one that did it. She oh, came, she came out of the bathroom, and the door just slammed. Dropping ass, um, and. Uh, and I mean, before he even saw where the ball went, he immediately turned and was just like, I think he actually yelled, fuck. Um, and, and, you know, as you can imagine, around this group on a Friday, and this was like the far uh, southwest portion of the golf course. I mean, there's friends and family around. I mean, there's no more than 25 people following this group, my wife and I uh, being two of them. And so it wasn't anything that made it on TV. But the, the reason I bring that up is it does affect people. It is a real thing. I know some people who aren't golfers go, really, these guys are so protected and, you know, privileged that somebody makes a sound. It's going to and it just does because that's the atmosphere and the environment that they are used to. And if all of a sudden you have something happen that you're not used to and for something that it fractions of an inch can impact a ball's direction and its flight uh, and of course therefore where it winds up 
it is important. And so the Fleetwood thing, I mean, we were we were watching it. We had watched him hit the putt on 17. The bear trap was where we were hanging out. And I immediately when he hit that putt, I'm like, oh, I got to go see what his live odds are now to win because him birdieing that hole seemed like a foregone conclusion because uh, 18, 18 would be bad for me to take a bogey on, much less a guy of his caliber. Now, of course, they're playing it from probably 50 yards longer, but it's just not a, it's not a really horribly tough hole. And so a birdie is kind of a foregone conclusion. And a shot that I cite any time I get into, like, the difference between how great these guys are and the average player is in 2018. And I may have said it to you at one point, Pete. I was watching Fleetwood, and he hit a three-wood 270 or 280 on 18 to within eight feet. Um, and I just was like, this is just – at this point, I just need to even, like – you know, it's just it's just dumb. You know, I mean, most people, of course, can't hit their driver that far, uh, and even if they could, it wouldn't be on point. Much less a three wood to within eight feet of a pin from that distance. I mean, it's just nuts. So when I knew he was two thirty five, I'm like, this is going to be kind of a nothing for him. It's just a matter of whether or not he can hit the putt for eagle, and he just blocked it. And I didn't realize that he has the reputation of being a choker. I didn't know that. Were you aware of that? No, that was news to me, too, because I knew he'd won on the European Tour. But then I was like, yeah, he's never won on the PGA. But I didn't know he had that rep. Yeah, so I immediately texted my DraftKings buddy who was at the tournament. And he goes, yeah, that's standard. That's Fleetwood. And I go, really? And then I looked it up, and then I saw what Azinger had said about, you know, people say he's ready, but he hasn't won on the tour yet. And you can say all you want about winning in Europe. But if you haven't won on the tour, uh, you, you know, people look at you differently. And so there it is. I mean, a shot that, God, you give, you drop 10 balls down there for Tommy Fleetwood. And if he hits, I, I, I would set the over-under on 0.5 how many he would hit in the water. And I would take the under. So for him to hit in the water on that shot, which I realize for an amateur, the hell of the water is, you know, 75% probably if you're a, you know, 15 handicap and above. But But for that guy at that point, that was just really strange uh, and I'm glad I didn't bet it because he was plus 250 as he headed to the 18th tee and to me it was a foregone conclusion that he would at the very least birdie it and then it just kind of became 50-50 as to whether or not he or Kim or not Kim M would win would win the playoff um, but uh, it's a great atmosphere this tournament it really is and I don't know if I don't know if I mentioned it on the show yesterday if I mentioned it on my uh, Facebook live and uh, Periscope and YouTube show can't remember where but uh, they are moving the tournament back to after Bay Hill and after the players next year. That's good. Um, but yeah, because the field is just getting hammered. And, uh, and it, I don't believe it's a coincidence that Honda announced it will sponsor it again next year. I think it's the longest automotive partnership for a sponsorship on tour right now. Um, but I don't think it's a coincidence that within 24 hours of that announcement, you also had the announcement that they are moving the tournament back with the goal of increasing the caliber of players in the field. Um, that's just kind of the way the world works, so uh, I'm happy about that. But the reason I bring it up is, well, not only the metal spikes question, but if you are, you know, most likely you're listening to this, there's a good chance you're living in the St. Louis metropolitan area or at least have, have lived in the St. Louis metropolitan area and you want to come down for spring training, the Honda Classic, and, and they, they make no secret of it, really, it's it's they kind of want it to be the waste management of um, of the Florida swing where you have, you know, essentially like it's a pony. I mean, you know, while I'm sitting there watching golf and drinking, 90 percent of the people, especially at the bear trap area, 
uh, are just boozing. And they're, you know, younger, a lot of them attractive females. Uh, it's a social scene. So if you want to come down for Cardinal Spring Training and be able to see a PGA Tour event, uh, that would be a major recommendation. You could hear the buzz year. on uh, TV, too. Oh, you can? Yeah. Like, no, usually you don't notice it, but you could you could tell people are having fun. It's a real there. thing. But the difference between 16 and Scottsdale and 17 here, 16 and Scottsdale is a hole that me and you, you know, better than 50% of the time are worse going to bogey because it's like 140 yards with no water. Right. This thing has ridiculous wind. It's always windy at this time of year down here. And uh, and and water everywhere, and then a bunker left, and you know, I mean, it's it's a brutal hole, and it's it, they can play it up to one like ninety five, and and like shortest they'll play it is like one fifty, but it's it's kind of a I, I don't know, and I I think it I think it factors into why part of the reason why you see the field not as glamorous as it was just a couple of years ago. I know the schedule's a factor, but I think some guys are just like first off, the course is so damn hard. And then secondly, they want to encourage this social atmosphere, but that increases the chances of some drunk, you know, screaming in your swing, and then it impacts what you're out there doing for four days. So, I, listen, I enjoy it as somebody who enjoys having booze and watching golf, but if I were a player, I would understand why it would be a, a little irritating. Because in Scottsdale, you know, again, it's a 140-yard hole, and it's, there's no water. I mean, what are they, I mean, how many guys double bogey that thing? So Scottsdale's you know, just one hole, though, right? Is right. it more than one hole? at the, I've never been to the Honda. Is it more than one hole where it's a pony? 15 is brutal, but 15 is not the same scene as 17. 17, it's not a stadium like they have right. at Scottsdale. Um, but you are the only reason it's not is because on the right side is water. But for everything else, you know, it's kind of like a horseshoe, so to speak, except the horseshoe isn't at the top like in, you know, Columbus, Ohio. It's on the right side, and it's just water. But... Uh, it is, you know, there are stands along the whole way, and there are bars everywhere. And, I mean, there is a weight Fun. like you're getting into the club on 17. And, 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 the, and the tickets, by the way, to get into that thing, which I, I'm just, I said to Anna Marie, I said, I'm gonna, I just can't justify it. I mean, it's just stupid. And that would have been for both of us, but they're, they're 275. Wow. And that's what people are paying to, to, I mean, I'm just like, you know, again, it's for, for a couple, but still. I mean that's and and that's 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 I I don't know I think that I think that includes your admittance onto the grounds, so it's fun, but I get why some guys you know I was talking to Dexter Fowler in the Cardinal Clubhouse and he's friends with Justin Thomas. Thomas was out there playing with Dexter at his place in Las Vegas before he came to Jupiter, and I was asking him I said yeah and I noticed Thomas isn't playing this week. He goes yeah man he goes it's just such a tough course and it's so hard if you're not on in regulation to scramble and make par and then you're just fighting against it and and following adam um it's like the, you know you're going god i want him to do well but it's like you know this hole if he can just get a par it'll feel like a win much less birdies i mean you have to do something incredible on almost every hole in order to have a real birdie chance and that of course is not the way it is i think this this recent tournament played the toughest against par since 1996 uh, and I'm not talking about just this event. I'm talking about any non-major site. It's just nuts, man. But again, it's uh, it's it's it's, it's from a social standpoint. If you want to come down for Cardinal Spring Training to try to match it up with the Honda Week, uh, would be something I would recommend. And so next year, I think it's like March 15th through the 22nd or something like that. Uh, they always 
you know, start the dates for the, the week of the practice, for the, the day of the practice run. All right, next, do you think there will be any major changes, front office slash coaching slash strategy, if the Cardinals are out of the playoffs by September 1st? Also, as a lifelong Cardinal fan that is 46 years old, I find myself more interested in the Blues the last five years, even before the Cup run. Do you think I'm an outlier, or is it something the Cardinals should worry about? Gangster Pete, you have the floor. Uh, as far as the Blues and the Cardinals, it's a seasonal thing for me. I love them both, so that's that. How invested do you get in hockey's regular season? Uh, I, I mean, if I'm around, I'll have it on TV just about every night. I mean, I, but in comparison, and I realize you're talking about 82 hockey games and, what, 12 college football games. Right. In comparison, your investment delta is much greater for uh, college football. Uh, yeah, I mean, a Mizzou National Championship in football or basketball would be the best thing I can imagine. Yeah, football certainly uh, there for me as well. Uh, for me still, and I said this going in, um, the the hockey regular season, and it seems like Rob Manfred's at least insinuating uh, with that report from Joel Sherman in New York uh, on, on on having baseball kind of turn into the NHL and NBA with a number of teams that are getting into the postseason. Um, I just I, the regular if the Blues lose a regular season game, even now, and they are in a race, man. As well as they've played, as Pete and I are recording this, they've won seven in a row. Um, then they what they have a three point lead I believe over the Avalanche unless something has changed since I talked about it uh, yesterday, but um, I, I don't it doesn't like bother me if they lose a regular season game and that, and I would also say that that's the same way with the Cardinals but in September it will bother me because I'm like one okay point they got to win the division what's that Pete one point lead oh so the Avalanche played last night and they won so yeah what eighty eight eighty seven I guess yep so I, for hockey though like. I don't. There just there just isn't a there isn't there isn't a difference between being the one and the eight seed. Outside of the home game, the one home game in a seven game series, and I don't like that. But at the same time, as I say that, as the cat would say, you're arguing with yourself. When it comes to the playoffs, there's just nothing better than the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I would say that even when the Blues weren't involved in the deeper rounds, which for the most part in my lifetime has been the case. But now having experienced it, I mean, that was – there's nothing – like you you and I talk about Missouri winning a national championship, you with both basketball and football, me more so for football. I don't know if that will change going back to basketball at some point, but I certainly don't care about basketball and haven't for a while with, with college basketball. But even if Missouri, let's say, Pete, got to the national championship game, it would it's still – it would be a different kind of enthusiasm because with what you have to do to win the Stanley Cup, it's essentially – Every other night for about two and a half, or if it goes to overtime, there is no cap on the intensity of it. It adds years you know? to your life. It does. But it, but it also it, it also is, it, well, it cuts both ways. It can be or the absolute best as a sports fan, but of course it can be the worst. But I wouldn't, ha- I wouldn't have that any other way. And I guess the only way to have it work that way is to have you know, a, a regular season that produces this 16-team tournament. But because of that, I just can't get – I watched it like when they came – I was watching the game against Dallas, uh, which uh, what was that Saturday night, if I'm not mistaken, and Dallas scored with like 18, 19 yep. seconds left in regulation to tie it. And I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. But then the horn blows, and I'm like, well, at least I got a point. 
But I was. I was like, all right, when the Blues won in the shoot, I'm like, sweet. I was happy about it. But had they not, I wouldn't have really been that upset. For example, like if Missouri, like when Missouri lost to South Carolina, there's a regular season game in 2013, by the way, not recently, uh, that I felt mattered. And that really bothered me. But that, again, we're talking about only so many teams get to college football's playoffs and, and, you know, 16 get to the NHL's and eight from each conference. So that's and the reason why I get all into the weeds on this is 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 it's not apples to apples for me with regard to the Cardinals postseason and the NHL's. Um, Albeit, it seems like that is that is certainly changing right now. It feels like, and this isn't baseball's fault per se. It just is all about who is playing the best, not who had the best record. And I would give that team, and I bet you could see it going back to the wild card era, who winds up performing the best. I mean, so rarely do you have the team with the best record in the regular season win the World Series, but the team who is on fire down the stretch. Uh, that usually carries over to in October, and a lot of that has to do with health and then late-season call-ups. Um, with regard to the first part of the question, Pete, do you think there will be any major changes front office coaching strategy if the Cardinals are out of the playoffs by September 1st? What do you say to that? Front office and coaching, no, just because I don't think they've really done anything, and I think that they just – I no, I just don't think that they will. Like, they really disappoint me with – the urgency i don't feel like there's any it's just kind of let's hope it works out and see what happens i i, I suppose you know what, what i've expressed since uh, i guess at this point uh, mid-december is my confusion at the cardinals offseason approach is in some way dissipating based on what has gone on so far with dylan carlson because this is a player that not just based on what he's done, and again, you're talking about a handful of spring games, so who really in the whole scheme of things cares, but what the people associated with the team say about him, um, and they're not holding back anymore, they, I think, feel like there is, there is your addition to the Cardinal offense in comparison to the 2019 team. But um, as, as we kind of have debated with Derek Gould, not debated, actually, Derek and I are kind of on the same page on it, is was that a strategy or was that a hope, which is what you just made reference to. I think it goes back to they are stuck with what is really a hideous situation, which is the Matt Carpenter extension because it was unnecessary. The Fowler thing you could say was unnecessary, quote-unquote, but once they didn't get Adam Eaton, they felt it was necessary to get a center fielder who could hit leadoff. Fowler at this point may not be either one of those things in 2020, but at this point now, he is entering his fourth of five years with the team. And I think they just kind of written both those spots off. If they get anything from them, they get them. They can't trade them, at least at this point. And so that's what they're going to navigate. Um, but I don't think there will be any changes because of this. This is how, this is how Gangster Pete would have answered it, as opposed to me and my uh, 50,000 words for each answer. The gap between the Cardinal front office and ownership perspective of the Cardinals and the gap between someone such as the gentleman who asked this question, and he is certainly not alone. I think he's actually in the majority, which is the front office and ownership goes, yeah, we were just in the NLCS and just won the division. We're not far away. And the fan base going, you're fortunate that you won the division and really fortunate that you got to the NLCS. And when you got to the NLCS, you were embarrassed. And so you are far away. Yep. And that to me is at the nucleus of the gap between the two parties. And so, therefore, if you are in the former, i.e. the ownership slash front office camp, 
you're not in the mindset of, oh, my God, there needs to be big changes. But in the fan base's standpoint, for those who see it in the way that I described the latter opinion, uh, you're thinking, well, if this doesn't work out, they've got to make changes. And that's just not, I think, the way that the front office slash ownership views it. Now, I could be wrong, but that's what I think. And I also think, even though it sucks, that you go through this year and then you're then at that point you have you know a year of Carpenter, a year of Fowler left, and then that does increase the probability that you could move them um, at that point. But you know, as as Pete and I are talking right now, it's followed a point zero six seven batting average, and he struck out in his, all three of its bats yesterday. So it is, um, I, and I just what you didn't you you weren't in the studio when we were talking about it on the radio show. I really don't put Dexter Fowler in right field to start the season. I don't think that that is a lock. I really I, don't. I don't know uh, how what you, do you can. I, from what I see, like last year and what i'm seeing what i'm reading about now i mean i just don't see how that he can be an everyday player it just doesn't make sense to me so so i think it was the cat and the plowhawk i think who are saying that uh he is a lock to be in in, in the starting lineup on that's all based on salary i guess i think yeah and i understand i mean i get the plowhawk saying that's kind of consistent with you know his his approach but the cat saying and i was surprised to hear him say that because i don't think that that's a lock I mean, right now, you know, I realize how many people listening to this are actually following this stuff. But, you know, I'm, I'm not going to every game, but I've gone to, um, what, uh, I guess about 40% of the games so far. And, you know, the, the way I would rank the outfielder's performance, again, and to rank spring training performances is so, first <laughs> off, small sample size. And secondly, you just never know what everybody's out there doing. And I'm talking about both the pitchers and the hitters. Uh, and I mean, like, what they're working on. But, I mean, it's clearly Dylan Carlson is one. And then it's a, you know, then I guess I would go Tyler O'Neill two, Bader three, Thomas four, Fowler five. That's the way that it is right now. Are you going to base your lineup on, on that? No, but you do have to factor it in. And Fowler is distant fifth. Um, Thomas has had a couple fielding issues. I mean, you're really kind of nitpicking if you're going to get into the weeds on this. Um, but just kind of as a, you know, pointing it out that is that's where things stand at this moment so I just don't think that that is something in which they are just going to uh, pull the plug on Dexter Fowler and I do not think that you're going to see people lose their jobs this year I just don't see that happening hey James Carlton one of the wonderful sponsors of this program James Carlton online at carltoninsurance.net he is my insurance agent you can call him at 314-961-4800 I'm just going to type James Carlton in to get a review right now. I'm just going to do it because I always talk about doing it. Why don't I just do it, quote-unquote, live here as we are recording this Questions from the Audience podcast. So, all right, I see he has a 5.0 out of 5 stars uh, rating on Google, and uh, that doesn't surprise me. Uh, Let's see, the uh, one at the very top of the list. They have been so great to work with in particular. Barbara helped us. With an unusual situation when I called James' office out of the blue and before we had committed to any personal business with him, it's the kind of approach that makes you confident about working with James and the entire office. They are in Webster Groves. They are available at 314-961-4800 or by going online at carltoninsurance.net. I say it from a place of experience. You are not going to find better than James Carlton and his staff at the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency in Webster Groves. 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. So, Gangster Pete, 
I'm kind of calling an audible here, uh, which I wasn't necessarily intending on doing. And I know you are not a, uh, a seasoned veteran. Well, you are a seasoned veteran, but a, you are a, a conscientious objector to the fan page. Can I call you that? A conscientious objector? Uh, yeah, that's okay. fair. But you, you do see it. Sometimes you're tagged in things and so on and so forth, but you're not really an active participant. Correct. Okay. So this morning on the morning after, and while uh, we had a little break here, uh, I wound up typing out a long explanation, and, and, and I'd, I'd also like, because when people want to hear, like, my, uh, if people do want to hear, I guess I should say, not when, but if people do want to hear my opinions on political topics, uh, I certainly get into it more on the podcast than I do on the radio. Now, there's a reason for that. The reason for it is we have six people on the show, five of whom are active on the air, and I also know that uh, in the case of really both Doug and uh, the cat, but I guess Doug probably more so than anyone, um, they feel passionately. And when you have as many people as we do in the studio, oftentimes it's very difficult to to get out of full thought. It's kind of like watching a debate, and it can drive you up the wall when you know they go to a wide shot and five people <laughs> have their hands up. I mean, it's it's you know it, it ought to, I think it creates anxiety actually for the viewer, and it also kind of subtly, subliminally, shits on whatever is going on with whoever is saying whatever. Like, okay, fine, say your thing, but I'm going next, and I need to be called on next. And so I realize that's the debate format. I realize this is the Ryan Kelly morning after format, and the Ryan Kelly morning after has been, you know, something that we've loved here for 16 years, and uh, this is just one example, small example, of a, a place where I suppose it's not optimal for a thorough discussion on an important topic. And so the podcast, with either me by myself or me just with you, Gangster Pete, we have a chance to expound. And, um, and so I'll, I'll do this here on this topic. Now, uh, I was bringing up that the betting odds for Joe Biden to become the Democratic nominee had changed substantially in four or five days and I had posted on the fan page and also brought up on the show that if people like to bet on things and some people bet on political offices uh, for example even though he's in my Mount Rushmore of recent candidates to run of people I don't like Josh Hawley I bet Josh Hawley to win against Claire McCaskill right that was two years ago 18 Claire McCaskill yeah Um, and I looked at it as a lock and I think it was like McCaskill might have even been favored. But if you follow things closely, I feel like there's a greater edge on betting on politics than anything else. Now, that's for me, perhaps because I follow it so closely. But I don't necessarily talk about it that much on the radio show, which goes back to my my opening point on this. And so I saw Biden was plus 750 before the South Carolina primary to win the Democratic nomination, which is the equivalent of 13% a 13% probability. And I was looking at that and I was thinking to myself, he, he may not win it. And I, w- I wouldn't even put it as better than 50%, but I sure as hell would put it greater than 13%. And so therefore, if one sees an edge and whether this is in the market or whether this is in gambling or daily fantasy or poker, if you are going to put money into the pot, it dictates that you put it in when the odds are in your favor and the odds in that case would be in my favor so that's why I made the observation and I hesitated to talk about it on the radio show last week and I hesitated to talk about it on the fan show or the fan page because I know what can inevitably happen is 
this is the topic. The topic are the odds. The, tep- the topic isn't his policy. The topic isn't Donald Trump. The topic are simply the odds. But when you talk politics, it doesn't matter. You know, all of the shit will, will inevitably come up. And, and the thread, for the most part, stayed on track. And then I immediately called attention to the fact that the thread, for the most part, was staying on track. And then, like, immediately, like a bat signal, a couple of posts <laughs> came out that were just, you know, you know, it knocked it off track. But at least for the first hour or so, it stayed on track with the odds. And my premise was, is that Buttigieg and Klobuchar are most likely going to have a very bad showing in South Carolina. It is going to become, as I was making the observation clear, that there is a bit of a pushback on Sanders because not only what many feel is an unlikely successful candidacy for the presidency, but also potential impact down ballot on other races, in particular the House, that there would be an organized effort to consolidate support for a moderate behind one candidate. And I said, I think that candidate will have to be Biden, in part because he will be coming off of a win in South Carolina, in part also because he has great minority support, which Buttigieg and Klobuchar didn't have. And so, therefore, I give him a higher probability. Um, Not that I'm saying I'm jumping up and down about him, not saying that I'm jumping up and down against him. None of that. I'm just looking at math. Um, And so I bring that up on the show today. And at some point, Doug said something along the lines of, and Pete, of course, you were present for the discussion, but not active in the discussion, being in the control room, something along the lines of, I'm paraphrasing here, nobody lies more than Joe Biden. Doug said that. Do you recall (laughs) something along those lines? Yes, I recall that one over on the text box. (laughs) A lot of Iggy comparisons. (laughs) And so, so, um, you know, when that happened... I heard it, but it's not like, and I I made this, I mean, hell, I might just read it because it's an organized thought on the topic. Um, I I didn't want, I knew what my goal was as the person who hosts the show, you know, runs point on the show. And that was to get to the odds and the reason for the odds, considering as we are talking, you and I are talking, it's Super Tuesday and the timing. And Doug was saying that, you know, he was saying that, 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 Buttigieg and Klobuchar had to have been bribed and received a check. And, you know, I again, it's like, okay, if you stop to address each thing, and I'm not talking about just Doug, it could be me, it could be, it's rarely you, just because you're not active in the discussions on air, but it could be Iggy, it could be the cat, it could be the plowboy, we're never going to get anywhere. Because, as you said at the outset, Pete, we have six different personalities, and therefore we're going to see things differently. Um, And so... When Doug said this, I wasn't like, well, hold on a second. Are you kidding me? You know, I mean, it's just like, okay, whatever, you know, whatever. If, you know, if Doug thinks that, he thinks that. What, what, there's no there's no real – but I, I think some people, and I don't even know how many people, want me to, like, stop and litigate each point. And I'm, it's not – that's not what we do. But we don't do it either. Like when the Plowhawk, you know, take your pick of whatever Cardinal take, for example, or when he said the Blues should trade Tarasenko, which, by the way, at the time when he said it, even though it looks funny now because they won the Cup – uh, wasn't necessarily that off the wall. Uh, it's just kind he of wasn't like, the only one saying it, right? I know. So I mean, it's like you know, it's it's easy to mock with the benefit of five months of hindsight and a Stanley Cup parade. But uh, with that all said, um, you know that's that's that that's what took place, and so some people were unhappy, uh, as this is often the case, and that that we didn't stop the show to to call attention to that statement. And I believe, Pete, last week, 
if I'm not mistaken, I made the observation, and I actually don't remember what the discussion was, and I'm not expecting you to remember it because um, I don't personally remember it. But I said this is the second time in the last two or three weeks that someone who rarely posts on the fan page made an observation that they had to read between the lines on things, and they happened to hit the nail right on the head. And I tipped my cap. Um, do you remember by the, by chance what what we were talking about that that led to me saying that? Not exactly. Off? I vaguely remember what you're talking about now. But um, we, t- we I, I brought that up, and I, I I know the first thing what it was. But as I said last week, I you know I'm not going to say what it is because it would kind of get into some inside baseball stuff. But I remember reading it, uh, and it was after a Dan Caesar article a month or so ago. And I'm like, God, God bless. You know, I mean, I wish more people would think that and say that because it would you know be comforting to those of us on the inside that people are aware of this but you know whatever we deal with what we deal with and we you know it's not you know it is you know whatever so some something was said last week that i made me say you know for the second time here in a couple of weeks uh it you know i'm tipping my cap to somebody who doesn't regularly post on the page because they've made an astute observation on something that has gone unsaid which you know illustrates you know on their part some great intuition so here is what somebody wrote when i guess probably it was directed toward me but you know whatever like you know it's just the way it is on the show nobody holds doug's feet to the fire when he says these things and i'm like well did you happen to listen to the segment because i spent about 10 minutes explaining why Klobuchar and Buttigieg dropped out when they did and the importance of the 15% threshold for delegate counts and why, with California in particular up for grabs, they dropped out and, you know, and I'm like, I, I spent 10 minutes on it. But I don't yell at Doug. And I guess that's what some people want is somebody to, like, yell at him. But that's not the way that I operate. Um, so this person posted... I think Doug is hilarious and invaluable part of the show. I have to compartmentalize his politics because this is something I do with many people I respect. I cannot understand how so many smart and rational people jump to Trump's defense with such fervor. I understand supporting his policies, but I cannot understand the defense of or willful blindness to his absolutely contemptible behavior. Perhaps it's just a necessary evil for the supporters to push forward with conservative judges and ideologies. I've learned to accept these political differences in order to remain friends. If we constantly rehashed every differing ideology, it would be exhausting and damaging to our relationship. I suspect that my Trump-supporting friends and family feel the same about me and my politics, and I'm glad we can move past our differences. That being said, this morning I found Doug's cognitive dissonance, dissonance astounding. Doug has accused the media many times of being left-wing, anti-Trump, etc., yet he on the radio accused two Democratic candidates of accepting bribes to end their campaigns. He then admitted that he had no evidence of the claim. Isn't that the very thing he hates about, quote, mainstream media? I also understand why Tim and the cat don't forcibly challenge him when he goes down this path. What's the point? I remember in 2016 when Doug was directly challenged and it wasn't pretty. Tim presented Doug with a plausible and rational theory about why they dropped out. Doug ignored it and continued down his path. And the cat made a joke, too, to deflect the awkwardness. It's how they move forward and around an impassable obstacle. And when this person who I I don't even know if I've ever seen the person post. I don't remember everybody who posts. I just know that he isn't somebody who I see regularly post. I thought, he's right on target. You know, it, it, it kind of sums it up. 
Um, but I need to, but I need to go into more detail because I don't want it to be portrayed as like, yeah, I, I'm so frustrated with Doug because I'm not. That's not the way I view it. Because um, because my parents, I think, are probably I don't discuss it with my parents, which is also the way that we move forward. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to get. I, I remember I was at, the, at their place uh, over the summer when our family was in vacation at Hilton Head. And uh, I think Meet the Press was on, which is something I watch regularly. And I also watch Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace, by the way, because I've got to do that dance. Uh, but I like to I like to watch them both. And um, and and they were talking about, I, guess, I don't know, it was the Mueller report, whatever it was. And my parents made their comments and this and that. And then it's just, you know, and I just, I just at that point, I'm just like, OK, I got to just get up. You know, not because they were expressing support for him, because they were saying things that weren't true. And I was just like, I can't. But I'm not going to argue with my parents while we're on vacation. I just, it's just I'm just going to go upstairs and hang out with my wife and my son. That's the way I handled it. Now I don't know if I'd be held accountable for not holding my parents accountable, but that's the way that that I and I know it's not apples to apples on a radio show, but but this was my my post um, after this gentleman posted this, and and the reason I'm going to read it is because I don't want to leave something out because I think it'll help explain the thought process. I wrote. This is the third time in the last month or so someone who rarely posts on the page has made an observation that happens to be right on target. By the way, the example you cite, as in the poster, uh, from 2016, and Pete, you weren't on the show at the time, but I know you listened. I don't know if you remember this, is when Doug said, quote, it's all over the Internet, end quote, that Hillary Clinton was wearing an IFB, an earpiece, during the uh, most recent debate between her and uh, Donald Trump. I hadn't heard that, and as uh, most of you can likely tell, I follow this stuff rather closely, but rarely talk about it in detail on TMA. I save it for the podcast now. So I asked where he saw that, not to challenge him per se, to get compliments, but to read the story myself. And he said, and I'm, I'm recalling all of this from memory, quote, it's all over the Internet. And I said, okay, if it's all over the Internet, just give me one place I can read it. And after kind of some hemming and hawing, he eventually said Infowars. And, and, you know, and, and, and I kind of don't really need to say anything else to that. But, you know, I mean, did you did, were you listening when that exchange took place for you? I don't I don't recall that. OK, so I, I believe that's what the gentleman was making reference to. I also I mean, obviously, there was the thing well, I say, obviously, but because I know a lot of people listen to the podcast, don't listen to the radio show. So should, re- you know, recount this stuff and not say, obviously, it's obvious to me and you. But for people listen to the podcast but not the radio show you know there was a falling out with ESPN's Jeff Passan over some of the stuff that Doug was saying and then Passan joined the show for a baseball interview but he was pissed about some of the stuff he heard Doug say on hold and so Passan refuses to come on the show now um, there was an argument with Tony Messenger of the Post-Dispatch uh, and so, you know, I mean, there, so it could be that, but I believe he's talking about the, the IFB Infowars thing. Now, this is, I, I continue to write. Now, here's another thing that I know. Doug is a damn good person, and he's truly the ideal coworker. How many how many weeks in a row, Pete, have we said this on the show? It's a, it's like a Cal Ripken street. Steady Eddie. Yeah, he, he is. He does his job at an incredibly high level, is super talented, and he just does his job without complaining. And if you're an employer, you know you can count on him to do the job he's asked to do. Furthermore, he's a good guy. And as I reread this, I feel like good guy doesn't do him service. He's a great guy. I think he's a damn good guy and also a, a, a great father. Uh, I think he, you know, I mean, he's, I've worked with him now with TV and radio for 20 years. Um, but as I said, he, I, I disagree with him on a number of political issues. But 
I don't stop and cable news him. Yes, cable news is being used as a verb here <laughs> on everything he says that I disagree with. I also don't stop and cable news Plowboy or Iggy or the cat when they say something, politics or otherwise, that I disagree with. And I don't believe they do the same to me. Uh, and by that, I mean they don't do the same thing to me. We just kind of, you know, espouse opinions. And, you know, sometimes we'll go back and forth. But most of the time, people express their opinion. Even if you disagree, you don't, like, stop with every single word. I knew when I brought up how the Biden betting odds had gone from him being plus 750 to a favorite to win the nomination in five days. Um, and by that, I mean the five-day span. He's gone from plus 750 to now being the favorite on Bovada. That it was a segment that could go off the rails. But my focus as the host was to discuss that part of it and my reasoning for why I saw it changing when I talked about it last week and why people are getting on board now. I know that if I stop the show to address Doug's comment on Biden telling the truth versus President Trump's record with the truth, we have no chance at ever getting to the reason I was bringing up the topic, the shift in the betting odds for the Democratic nominee. A couple of weeks ago, Doug was talking about politicians not telling the truth. I asked calmly, politely, in response, if a politician telling the truth was something that he valued. And he said, yes. My point was made, without screaming and drawing attention to myself. Now, if that doesn't work for some people, uh, in the audience, I understand. I know it's kind of not the way the game is being played right now in media, but it is the way that I debate. And sometimes I think it's what's not said in response to a statement that speaks with more volume than raising one's voice. Um, so that's what I wrote in response. And that reminds me, Pete, of what it was that, that I said that was a right-on-target uh, perception. It was the guy last week who was saying, I am so, I don't even know what the right word was. Oh, yeah. That it, that exactly. it can actually wear people out. Yeah. Um, which, was, which, which happened to be right on target. And I've never really heard it put that way, but he happened to be right on target. And so, you know, I, it, it's... It, I, I get it, I guess, because I think the way people observe media um, in 2020 um, and even in, in going back a few years when I started doing the podcast in 2017, they would hear people come in and give an opinion that they either knew I disagreed with or they themselves disagreed with and they were frustrated that I didn't challenge it. And so I think when people listen to political discussion right now and going back to then, that we have it um, passively programmed into us that the host will challenge the person when they say something uh, that, that they don't agree with, uh, with regard to an opinion. And that personally is not the way I host shows, the podcast or otherwise. Ed Martin was a guest on this podcast before you were working with us, Pete. Um, and Ed Martin, I, I mean, from a, from a standpoint of, of his uh, views and the manner with which um, I believe he tries to appeal to people is on the exact opposite of me, the exact opposite. However, I wanted to hear what he had to say. And when he came in, we got along completely. Well, I couldn't, couldn't, still didn't change my mind on his views, but I didn't feel like I needed to stop him at every moment and interrupt and say, well, hold on. Well, you're saying this, but now what about that? You know, the, the what about us? That's not the way that I do it. My approach to an interview is more of the stern approach. You know, it's not a challenge session. It is uh, explain yourself and you know you're going to have the forum to do it, and we're going to have a comfortable conversation. Like if you were having a conversation with somebody at a bar or over dinner, 
when they said something you disagreed with, you wouldn't go, well, hold on a second now. You know, I mean, that's just, and that's how I do it. Now, if you are wanting that, or if you're used to it, I understand how it can stand out when you don't get it. So I understand the pushback on it, but this is my reasoning, and I'm not going to change who I personally am and how I have done things here for the last however many years, um, especially if I think it's the right thing to to fit in with what is going on right now, which... Um, you know, kind of, kind of also would apply to social media. Like, I see what's going on now. I think we talked about this last week. Addiction to likes on so Yeah, we did. Um, addiction to likes on social media as opposed to reporting. You know, and kind of like making cute comments that'll get you likes or, you know, whatever. And it's just like, okay, my God, you know, what, what, what happened here? Like, we became like like boy banders or something and, and we're not... But, but whatever, fine, fuck it. I don't, I don't have to participate and I sure as hell don't have to like scold people about it god bless they're welcome to their their approach it's just not what i do it's not it's not who i am so i'm not going to like change to like fit in and if that means my time has come and my time is ending then fine fuck it i had 20 years it was great but i'm not gonna like you know start you know changing the way that i you know see things or host a show because um because that's the the way that it's going like i'm just not gonna all of a sudden start tweeting takes or tweeting cute little observations that I know they're going to get likes because that's the way that the game at this moment seems to be being played. It's not who I am. And then it would lead to me saying things or doing things that I actually don't personally feel. And I don't want to do that because the way that this has all kind of worked out over the last 20 years is by being honest with the audience. Um, and, and I'm not saying those who do tweet, for the record, are being dishonest. It's just my... Style is is certainly not cute, <laughs> and and so I, I can't go. You know, I can't like jerk off the audience and go. Oh, see, St. Louis is a football town. Look at this Battlehawks crowd. I bet Cronky's going nuts in L.A. Because I know that's bullshit. I know he doesn't fucking care. I know he's worried about if anything the lawsuit and how over budget his stadium is, and he doesn't. He may not even know St. Louis is having success with the XFL. Can't I can't do it. I know I know I'll get a lot of likes. But I can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. Therefore, I can't. So it's the same thing with Doug's, um, you know, Biden. Nobody lies more than Joe Biden. Okay. All right. Sounds good. You know, here, here, however, is what I want to bring up, the betting odds, and here is the reasoning. And then the cat and Doug weren't necessarily familiar with how, you know, the, the importance of the 15% and why the candidates dropped out when they did. And if Doug thinks it was bribes, Okay. Fair enough. Here is the alternative explanation to that that I think one could, once they hear it, go, oh, that's probably it, you know. But if I start screaming, then what becomes the focus is the volume and not the words that I'm saying. And so that's how I handle it. And I realize it might not be popular. I realize I guess it can come off uh the wrong way. I mean, by the wrong way, I mean like uh, not endearing to people, but... I, I think I for me I believe it's what's right and so that's why I do it. All right, that's enough. I've been talking for ten minutes. Pete, your thoughts? Uh, I try not to argue with the people that are entrenched in one side or the other because it just feels like you're banging your head against the wall. I'll listen to their thoughts and their ideas and try to understand where they're coming from. But if someone is on one side clearly, like having an argument or anything like that is not going to accomplish anything. So I just stay out of it. I learned that over the years. 
but uh, I'm I'm open to listening to everybody's opinions. And I try to figure out where they're coming from. Yeah. Well, I and I and I and listen. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it's like a risk reward analytic. Anytime I'm like, okay, God, this is a story. Ah, but it's politics, so I kind of know what's going to happen already. You know. Yep. You, you know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I know exactly I mean, it's kind of like why, like sometimes I'll bring it up at 9:45, but <laughs> yeah. you know, that's that's also it's not great. Because it's it, you know now you're kind of, you might be burying the lead until nine forty five and the show's you know two and a half hours old at that point two hours forty five minutes old, so it's you know and, and that's why I, and maybe I'll do more podcasts um, you know uh, because it is it does allow me to um, you know expound a little bit and not you know get into some of the things that might lead to and it's not like I'm averse to arguments, it's just I don't want to it's all it, you know. Also, I feel like part of my job is to, as the point person on the show, is to make, to put the to put the people around the show, in in as far as like the on air, you know, in in the best spots to 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 um, you know, it put them in the best position, so to speak. And by I mean that, like, like I'm not going to go. Okay, these odds have changed from plus seven fifty to Biden now minus one fifteen, and I think it has a lot to do with, in particular, California and the fifteen percent delegate threshold. Plowhawk, do you agree? <laughs> and I'm not saying that to mock the Plowhawk. I just know that's not what that's not that's not his thing, you know. Or Iggy, do you agree? That's not his thing. But if there's something about like. Man, did you see this? Gabby Carter woke up this morning and said she met a guy on the beach and uh, fucked him. Uh, you good, know, good day for that guy. Yeah, I know that was a that was a nice visit to the beach. Uh, th- well, I'm not going to go to Doug with that. So that's what I mean by that. I, like, like I, I, you know, we're not going to, you know, and, and I and one that I kind of always fall back on. It's and none of it's a shot. I think it's an observation for those who listen to the show know where I'm coming from. The cat isn't is in, invested in Missouri athletics um, from a positive standpoint, like Pete is or I am, um, and Doug is, uh, or from a negative standpoint, like the Plowhawk is. And by that, I mean he's an Illinois fan, so he wants to see Missouri screw around. Um, and so I'm not going to like go to the cat with, hey, did you see Missouri's game against Georgia? You know, and what happened in the third quarter? Because I know there's a good chance he didn't. And even if he did, it's not something that he, he doesn't follow as closely. So. That that's what I mean by that, um, and I just think it helps, you know, the show. And none of it's like written out as like here's how I host the show. But just after doing it for so many years, you kind of, you kind of know, um, and so and it's it's intuitive. But I also don't want to put somebody in a spot where they're gonna they might look bad. That's that that's that's the other way I'm trying to say this, and so to like catch Doug in something that I know is, you know. It, it, it it's that's not I don't know I don't know it's a it's a weird spot because I do feel an obligation to the truth certainly but you know if if what he pushed back on today would have been my theory on him becoming the favorite for the nomination going from I think from a lot of people who are just kind of casual observers going hold on a second he's the favorite I thought he was on the verge of getting out of the race uh you know, and and then totally disagreed with it and laid out some kind of conspiracy theory or something to disagree with it. Well, then that's a different situation. But it was kind of a throw-in comment um, that that was distracting from what the, the main topic was. And if we would have focused on that, 
you know, and what, and what would the argument have sounded like? What would the disagreement have sounded like? It would have said, hold on a second. You're saying nobody lies more than Joe Biden. What about Donald Trump? What about us? And then we would have just done that dance, you know, and I don't know. I just that I, I don't know. I, my response, I guess, would be that's not great radio, although you can make the case that the shit that we do is always not great radio. But I just feel like you can kind of get that anywhere. And I didn't really want to go down that road. I think what's happened with Biden over the last few days and how it's happened is actually stimulating and what it actually means, because I could see I mean, there are there are two chapters to this book. And they are significant, I think, in American history. And that is what happens in the Democratic Party with who actually gets the nomination. That is a major thing. That's a major thing. Could lead to, we say it so often, but it could lead to a huge divide in the Democratic Party or a third party. And then I'm talking about what happens here, most likely anyway, between Biden and Sanders. Uh, unless Bloomberg, I just don't think Bloomberg's long for the uh, the campaign. And then you have... November 2020. And I think that November 2020 could wind up being something that they write books about. Um, Now, I might be wrong, but I think what happens in November 2020 could be, you know, that we could feel the effects of it in November 3030. And I'm not talking about like an election in November 3030 because there wouldn't be a presidential election in November 3030. I'm talking about a decade from now um, that, that what happens in November 2020 is is going to be a huge moment in American history. And that's one of the reasons why I follow this so closely and I read up on it and I try to present what I think um, are some informed perspectives on the topic and not get caught up in kind of like the, you know, the, the, the remedial, you say he does this, well, then what about this guy doing this? Um, so that that was that's the reasoning for it. I want to give, expound on the reasoning for it because obviously I can never talk like this on the radio show uh, and take up this much time. But that's that's the reasoning for it. Pete. Do you feel first off on all the stuff I said, your thoughts, and then secondly, what I'm talking about with the uh, the nomination process with Sanders, Biden, and perhaps anybody else, uh, and then also the election and, and how important they could wind up being in American history from a good or bad perspective doesn't matter. Yeah, I think the recent events are very interesting with the people dropping out because I mean it kind of shows it kind of shows the Democratic Party's strategy. It also makes it very clear they don't want Bernie to win the nomination. So uh, I think that's very interesting. It's a big part of the big part of the race. So I think that's really interesting. And I, yeah, I think this presidential election will be uh, really important. Yeah, I mean, I just I, I feel like not only the importance of the election, but could, why, what 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 could wind up happening around this. Um, I just think, you know, I mean, and I, I don't know, I don't know what would happen. I'm just saying I can see something major happening, and and you can take it from Trump loses and all hell breaks loose with the people who absolutely worship him, or the people uh, who I think, and I know it might sound weird because I don't think we necessarily have this conversation on this show or on the Ryan Kelly Morning After, but for those in like a left bubble who just assume. It's a foregone conclusion that whoever runs against Donald Trump is going to win. Um, and then all of a sudden it hits them if whoever runs against Donald Trump doesn't win on the evening of the election if Trump wins. And they go, oh, my God. <laughs> this is, this, there's How a- could they let that happen again is what I don't right. understand. I like- remember I think I've told the story. If I have, I have. If I haven't, I haven't. Whatever. Fuck it. Who cares? But there was a documentary of some kind. I think it was on Air America. Do you remember Air America, Gangster Pete? <laughs> no. You don't? Okay. Air America was the 
supposed liberal answer to Fox News and in Rush Limbaugh in particular because it was it was a liberal radio operation and it didn't last real real long. If I'm not mistaken, Mark Marin, now a podcast uh, god, and Janine Garofalo, who people would either know as a comedian or actress, were co-hosting, I think. And I think this was some documentary on the 2004 election or on Air America. I don't know. But I just remember they had a shot of Janine Garofalo, who, again, is not in comedian or actress mode. She's in liberal talk show mode. Very liberal. Yes. Uh, and and when the results come in on the election, and I think what determined 2004 was Ohio went to, to President George W. Bush, and she just looked like – like she could there was no way she could like it had to be wrong because she was so convinced that there was no way that he was going to be reelected uh and i and i and i don't say it to mock producer joe which i know can be a hot topic on tma and when we're doing the pick six podcast uh producer joe mocking iggy and the plowhawk is certainly hot button but i, uh, I but on, in 2012 you know joe's conservative and he was just certain like it wasn't even like an issue it, that Mitt Romney was going to beat Barack Obama, and I remember thinking to myself, I wonder what the hell, why he thinks that. Um, but you know, but then I point to myself in 2016. I know I'm not alone in this, but like there was no way President Trump or Donald Trump was going to beat Hillary Clinton. Like it wasn't even like in play. And then we saw what happened. So I've got one to wear. In producer Joe's case, he's got one to wear, and Janine Garofalo's got one to wear. But in this case. I think this is one that could lead to a much greater reaction, and by greater I mean substantial, than um, the look of shock on Janine Garofalo's face, so to speak, in 2004, or the shock people had in November 2016. Um, I think it could lead to all hell breaking loose. I, and I, I don't say that to, like, I, if anything, I worry about it. And I worry about it. It doesn't matter who wins. I worry about it. And... Um, because I do think there are people on, on, you know, on the left and on the right who are so certain that their person is going to win or their, quote, side is going to win that, uh, that the real- whenever the reality comes in that that is not the way it's going to happen, all hell is going to break loose for a portion. Um, and or you will have, uh, like, I mean, let me just lay this out here this way. Can you imagine in November 2020, Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders or whomever beats Donald Trump and the the networks have all called it, including Fox News, for president-elect Joe Biden? We'll just play out. Can you imagine Donald Trump at his uh, election night party standing up and congratulating president-elect Biden and (laughs) when people start booing, saying, no, 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 we're all Americans, we're all in this together. Can you imagine, can you in any way, I'm talking about even a .01%, can you imagine that scenario playing out? Where people start booing or where he's... No, 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 where President Trump, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about how he were to, if he were, if that were to happen, how he would handle it. That's what I'm talking. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't imagine he'd do it very gracefully. And, and but what I would think is he, I would imagine he would say that there was some bullshit that happened. That's what I think would happen. That's what I think would happen. Um, and then I th- and then what, what's going to happen? Then you're going to have the people who worship him going, yes, there was some bullshit that happened. In other words, it's not it can't go down cleanly. It can't. And then let's play it out. Let's say President Trump is reelected. Now, I could see Joe Biden 
doing the the graceful thing, but that doesn't mean <laughs> that 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 supporters because I think what you could have happen if we are going to play it out that it's Joe Biden that you're going to have supporters going oh good because you're you are going to have people if if it is Biden Sanders people who are anti Biden um, and you could have that like look what you did look what you did you didn't let the rightful person have the nominee in their mind didn't get it in 16 didn't get it in 20 and now that means another four years of Donald Trump and you might have a war within and I'm not talking about guns but I'm talking about a war within uh, the party over that or if it's Sanders and whatever he says about Trump getting reelected but that the Democrats get worked over down ballot and you could have the all hell breaking loose amongst there much less the people who are beside themselves that there's another Donald Trump four years it's just I just I just don't I don't I don't see the United States exiting 2020 the same way we came into it let so, me put it that so way. when you say you think all hell's gonna all hell's gonna break loose are you saying like Twitter outrage or like riots in the streets uh, yeah, I think I could see, I, I, I'm not saying riots in the streets. I could see riots in the street. Twitter outrage. I mean, shit, that's, 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 uh, that's going on right now. I just don't know what it's over, but, uh, <laughs> I'm talking about like, yeah, riots in the streets, uh, protests. Um, yes, that kind of stuff. And it does, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the breakdown is, whether it's Democrat on Democrat or now new democratic socialist party or whatever it would be called, whether it's Trump's, uh, supporters being, furious that their guy was voted out and feel like it was some kind of overthrowing and it was all you know contrived and it's bullshit and it's wrong or whatever it is I really I really do uh think that that is a high probability play and I'm not I'm not labeling one or the other I'm just saying I just I think that this is going to be so substantial so substantial and I remember thinking and saying this and I guess it would have been July August of 2016 that we're going to remember what takes place here this month and over the next few months forever. But, but my reasoning for saying it, it happened to be right, but my reasoning for saying it was wrong. My reasoning for saying it was because I figured the Republican convention would be absolutely batshit, and I knew that the people, that a large portion of the Democrats were furious that Hillary Clinton was getting the nominee, especially with the leaks and the emails showing that there was an effort to get Bernie Sanders out. Um... But I didn't foresee Donald Trump winning. Well, with this one, knowing how, I mean, God, 2016 seems like peace times in comparison to 2020. And knowing what's coming here, and it's not that far off in eight months, and everything that's going to go on in between, I'd, and listen, I hope that it doesn't happen. But I really do think that it's going to happen. I don't know what the impact will be on things. You know, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm Christian Bale's character in the big short here saying, you know, <laughs> hoard up um, because all hell's going to break loose. But I just don't know how it, it doesn't go down that way, which was kind of my reasoning for looking at Joe Biden. How I looked at Joe Biden. It wasn't like, finally, Americans are going to wake up and see that Joe Biden is clearly the answer. <laughs> I was going, well, Pete Buttigieg isn't going to get the support in South Carolina and he's going to drop out. Klobuchar doesn't have a chance anyway. Uh, so she's going to drop out. And they're going to all rally behind Biden because he's the only one left who has any chance with the moderates and potentially to get some Trump voters over to his side. And so now all of a sudden, within the next few days, you're going to hear how great Joe Biden is. And I happen to hit on that one. And I want to point out that I have been wrong on the Cardinals offseason and the XFL in a major way. So, uh, you know, I'm one for three. But that's that's what I am observing here eight months down the road. And from my standpoint, I, I, I 
it, it strikes me as kind of obvious that it's going to go down that way because I don't know how it doesn't go down that way. There is going to be a large portion of Americans, I don't know who, but I just know no matter what, I can identify each one uh, as in group, I guess suppose the three groups, and one of those, at least one of those, if not multiple of those, are going to be batshit crazy angry um, the, the evening of the uh, presidential election. And, and I, don't know, I don't know how and feel like they got fucked. That's, I suppose the least probable one that where all hell could break loose would be if Biden were to lose to, uh, to Trump. But even then, by laying that, that scenario out, uh, you're going to have Sanders people going, see if we would have run the guy who people were passionate about and you didn't take it away from us yet again, this wouldn't have happened. Fuck you. We're going to go ahead and create our own third party and Bernie Sanders is going to be our Donald Trump. That's the kind of that's the kind of hand I'm playing out here, Gangster Pete. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Oh, my God. You well, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how play it out me. That's what you did to me. All right. I, last week we did like two hours, so I won't do that to you again. Uh, when I'm sitting in here by myself, I'll go forever. But I don't want to. I don't want to drag you into my uh, my fun and games and go on forever. You're always welcome to email in T McKernan at InsideSTL.com. I call it questions from the audience, but I want opinions from the audience. Uh, T McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Thank you to our sponsors for making it possible. TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Interest rates are at an all-time low. That's not an exaggeration. TheHomeLoanExpert.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. EvergreenSTL.com. James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency at carltoninsurance.net. And then, of course, Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's hard to stop a train. Seth Goldcamp and his family, they have been taking care of St. Louisans for generations. Let them take care of you. If you ever have any issue with your HVA system, know that you can go to designairservice.com, and a Design Air Service tech will be over ASAP to treat the issue. That's what they do, and a lot of our audience is already aware of it, but I want you to know that if it happens to you, you go to designairservice.com, Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest, and Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. My wife is driving a Johnny Landoff car, and I recommend you do as well at landoff.com, Chevy, find new roads, landoff.com, Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit. For Gangster Pete, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go! This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.